0: And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon where you are on this rotating, rather beleaguered globe tonight here in the Land of Enchantment. Welcome to the other side of midnight. And you know the refrain, the stuff we used to talk about, now, of course, is 24-7. Who could imagine, just a few years ago, that planet Earth tonight would be faced with a situation? Where government after government after government, both state and federal and local, all over the world, provinces, government forms that are totally alien to ours, that everyone is moving to close society down. Because interacting with people directly, um, depending upon their age, could be very deleterious. In fact, it could kill them. Um That's only one of the aspects of what we're going to talk about tonight. What I thought we would do, given that we have people literally who are part of the show, who are all over the world, would be to bring a few of them together who have interesting experiences and just talk about kind of what's going on out there, the sense of the country, of the planet, of the various countries that the people who are on the show many, many times represent. Before we get to that, however, let me give you a couple of items at the top of the news that are very important. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who, of course, you know, is one of the key people in the National Institutes of Health, uh, who is in charge of this administration's policies regarding the coronavirus, has been all over media. He was on uh, Meet the Press this morning. He is now open to the idea of a 14-day national shutdown In the United States to keep people who do not have the virus from contracting it from those people who do have it and don't know they have it. I mean, one of the aspects of this, which is so pernicious, is that you can be perfectly fine. You can be walking around exemplifying zero symptoms of anything but good health. And you can be infected and you can be spreading virus. You can be doing all the things that they say to us that we're not supposed to do like cough in, you know, public crowds or shake hands or do all these things that transmit the virus to other people. And, of course, you shouldn't touch your face and eyes and mouth and all that because it transmits it to you. If you picked it up on your hands on public surfaces, there is no public, you know, uh, sanitizer to be available anywhere. I've heard some rumors that there are some stores online that still have some. But um, the main thing is... Do not panic. Given that this disease is really only fatal to a small percentage of the population, it shouldn't be hard to guard that percentage from harm. You just interact with people who are more elderly in a different way than you would interact with people that are younger and have robust immune systems, et cetera. Et cetera. So that's the first item Fauci is open to a 14 day national shutdown. Item number two, we're being told that we need to practice this new technique of uh, social distancing. I mean, until this situation, I had never heard the term social distancing. Although, with the rise of the internet and the ability to work like I do most of the time from, from here, from home, from the middle of nowhere, desert in the American Southwest. I guess the change for me is not as much as it would be for a lot of other people. Item number two is a very interesting column by a guy named, I want to get this straight here, uh, Fowler. I'll get you his first name in a moment. Um, He is a columnist for the Washington Post. He was in uh, apparently, I think, Singapore when the SARS outbreak occurred. Yeah, Jeffrey Fowler. He's a technology columnist and he's been quarantining at home uh, working from home. And he says, I'm just going to read you the first couple of paragraphs. It's been eight days since I last stepped into the office. Like thousands of other workers in California, I've been doing my job and staying put at home to avoid spreading or catching the coronavirus contagion called COVID-19. This isn't my first outbreak. 17 years ago, I self quarantined in Hong Kong for three weeks to avoid the epidemic of severe acute respiratory syndrome or SARS. My work from home beard, he says is the same. We can see that in the photograph, but this time the internet has changed everything else. So he goes into all the things that uh, the modern technological internet miracle has made possible, which means that if you are really quarantining yourself, if you're staying apart from other people, it's really not the hardship that I'm hearing from an awful lot of folks. I mean, they seem to be really upset that they can't go to concerts or baseball games or get on airplanes freely or go to concerts. It's like it's only temporary, folks. It's not going to be forever. And, you know, we're from pioneers. We came and pioneered a continent. Don't you think we can spend home with Netflix and the Internet for a couple of weeks and if our jobs allow us to participate that way from home, isn't that an amazing, uh, positive development? The other thing is for those people that are in service industries where you have to meet people, and I have some friends who have restaurants, and, of course, uh, that's a great concern because if you don't have customers, you don't have a restaurant. There are plans economically in Washington, and they're moving bills through the House and hopefully through the Senate that will allow people who are on the short side of the income to actually get checks directly uh, from the federal treasury, which should tide people over. And there's been a lot of, uh, shall we say, back and forth between the Democrats and Republicans, but there is a bill on Mitch McConnell's desk tonight, which should be enacted sometime in the next couple of days by the Senate, which is the first part of this money, which is going to go to disadvantaged income earners, those people who do not have paid sick leave, and there are discussions for small proprietorships like restaurants and local grocery stores and all the mom and pop you know, stores that we frequent so, so often. Um, so let's get into it. Tonight, what I want to do is I want to move between our participants in a kind of a seamless conversation. So let me introduce who the players are going to be tonight, and then we'll get into the conversation of of the morning. Um, We're going to have Tim Saunders with us. Tim, as you know, is well known to this audience. He's a British national who grew up near the south coast of the United Kingdom and became very entranced with yachting and boats. And ultimately at the age of 10 decided he wanted to become a yacht designer. Well, he is. In fact, he has a world-class yacht design uh, company, uh Tim Saunders Yacht Design Limited continues to evolve and develop multiple iconic systems, super and mega yacht projects for the local and international clientele that he services. Um another person we're going to bring on tonight is Andrew uh Andrew Curry, who of course you all know his artistic career as a community public artist began a few years ago. He worked with neighborhood groups to create murals. He is a graphic designer and illustrator. He is servicing uh, large and small Canadian companies. He's worked with Hollywood. He does storyboard storyboards for uh, Hollywood and is uh, very active in commercial TV advertising. Andrew has a bachelor of arts from the University of British Columbia, a diploma in graphic design and illustration, and a master's in art therapy and the concept of therapy is going to be entering our conversation at some length tonight. The third person who's going to be joining us in the next couple of hours is Robert Morningstar, who, of course, you all know. He's a specialist in photo interpretation. He lives in New York City, which is kind of like ground zero for some of this. He does geometric analysis and computer imaging. He's a graduate of the Power Memorial Academy, was a New York State Regents scholar, and at Fordham University where he received a degree in psychology. And since part of what's going on is psychology in the extreme? The psychology of fear, the psychology of loss, the psychology of the fear of loss. Um, we're going to be talking to him a little in a little while about a couple of things. Not only the political backdrop of this current outbreak, but there may have been some recent political developments in China that he's going to be updating us on. As I said, in the next couple of hours. And finally, last but not least. We're inviting to our air again, uh, Marza Miller, who is gosh, I got to go all this right. She's a clinical herbalist, a nurse, a Reiki master, a hypnotherapist, Lami Lami medicine woman, medical intuitive, alchemist, energy healer, and that only begins to touch on her generalist background in the in the field of the healing arts. She's going to be coming on in the second hour, and we're going to talk about some of the protocols Alma Sherry Edwards with this resonance healing modality that she has been using with patients to very interesting effects. She's going to talk to us, to us about the protocols. She's going to lay out what she's doing. And hopefully there will even be some interesting results to report. Um, again, we need to maintain a sense of balance. The world is not coming to an end the actual number of people who will be drastically or fatally affected is relatively small, provided we take appropriate precautions, which means that if you're out having one of those pool parties that's outside of Tim's hotel, you do not run, run back to your house and, you know, go and hug grandma because you have no idea who was in the pool with you or where they've been, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is part of the idea of, of getting us in tune with taking care of other people than ourselves. And finally, in the third hour, we're going to be also joined by Georgia Lambert because there is something so, I don't know, is it the wrong term to say metaphysical about this? I don't think so. I think this is not your normal, everyday, political, economic, medical crisis And that gets us back into the psychotherapy of how people are dealing with a threat which is so – it's almost so invisible that people are going out and hoarding masses of toilet paper as a kind of the one thing they can do to protect their family that is almost the only thing they can think they can do. So without further ado, let me go to the right screen here and Tim – You're on the air.
1: Well, good morning. I'm stateside. I can actually say good morning this time. I'm I'm in Turkey with the cockerels uh, entertaining us.
0: Well, tell us your sojourn from Turkey to um, eastern Florida. How did you get there? Why are you there? And why have you suddenly
1: decided that you, I guess, have to stay for a while? Well, I hope you're all sitting comfortably. Uh, Around seven weeks ago, I left uh, for a meeting in Istanbul. Uh, I packed a small bag. I had a coat. And the next day after the successful meeting, I was asked to go to Italy to to Uh design and management of uh, four different yachts, new new models coming into production. So I actually left Istanbul with uh, snowflakes coming down and my thick coat on, which I still have in Florida. <laughs> uh, not using very much at the moment. Uh, but anyway, I, I, um, I, I went to Italy and kind of became slightly marooned. Uh, it was an intense start to uh, four-year projects. So I was very focused on my work. But around, I could obviously see that things were changing slowly in the north of Italy. You know, obviously the outbreak in Milan and... Uh, near Milan, and sort of the, the red zone, the epicenter started to creep down. I was in the uh, the eastern, sort of mid-eastern side of, of, um, to, of, of Italy, uh, just, just north of Ancona. And, uh, you know, I was staying in a business hotel, which ordinarily was very busy through the week, and the weekends was very quiet. Uh, but, you know, slowly the numbers stopped, uh, started dropping off. Um, you know, having been there for sort of five, six weeks, you know, every day, uh, you know, it, it was, it was. We sort of came on sort of first name terms with sort of the people that worked in the hotel, and sort of, you know, they were very friendly, very accommodating, and uh, you know, just nice, people, delightful people. But you know, every day, this, this epicenter was coming closer to us uh, until the point that you know, we'd look in the newspaper and the sort of the the orange. Area would be just north of where we were, and, and, and literally uh, at a certain point, uh, some 10 days ago, uh, my client suggested that we should just get out uh, because it, it seemed a sensible thing to do. Because you know, by that point, the schools had been closed, and uh, people were not frequenting restaurants, and the business hotel was empty in the week. I was, you know, one of 17 people staying in this huge hotel, Uh, the whole atmosphere changed very, very quickly. I mean, we can sort of jump back into lots of details later, but I'm just giving you a very quick overview. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, 10 days ago, I was... uh, Unfortunately, I had to fly through Milan Airport. I was actually very reluctant to do it because I felt that where I was, there was fresh mountain air, Um, the people I knew... Was sort of the same people I said, the people I knew, the people I was in contact with, um, but the same people I knew every day, and we're all aware of what's happening, so it was not like some sort of you know huge crowd or, or you know large gathering or something, it was a very small number of people of which we all knew each other, we all knew we've be all being careful. Uh, but alas, um, I was reluctantly brought out of Italy, uh, I couldn't go back to Turkey because Turkey closed its doors to Italy at that point. Mm. And so I couldn't go east, so I needed to go west. So I went to west, and uh, to Florida landed in Miami uh, nine days ago. And since then have, um, you know, been enjoying a very different environment. Uh, But, of course, in those nine days, the environment here has completely changed as well. As well, this sort of wave of hysteria, I would say, and some unfortunate real, you know, sickness and uh, cases of sickness as well has, has followed me pretty quickly to the point where obviously I'm, I'm not going to state the obvious. So I think everyone's aware that as of last Friday, uh, president Trump uh, decided to cut European flights off from the uh, United States. So I thought, okay, I'll, uh, I'll continue because I have a British passport. I can, as the UK was exempt, I can of course go to the UK, uh, but my plan was and, to fly and,
0: and And then the idea was to fly from the UK,
1: let's say Heathrow, back to Turkey, right? Exactly. But, I, but Turkey stipulates that you need to be outside of Italy or China or Iran, for example, mm-hmm. for 14 days self quarantine before you come back into Turkey. So 10 days was not enough for me. So my original plan B was to, my original plan was actually to, to stay in Florida until next week and then fly back. Turkey via London uh, But of course then the news came again That uh, in fact the UK was not Going to be exempt and so We're now on total shutdown
0: Well wait 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 so are the flights Forbidding people who want to leave Let's say JFK To go to London or only from London into the United States Or you know United Kingdom
1: Well Well Richard I mean let's just look at this I mean I, I don't wish to occupy the whole show Because we all have Lots of interesting points to say, but I think this is a very, very important um, to sort of lay the, lay around, the ground rules down. Um, the the flights are still going to the UK uh, until Monday. Uh, after that point, it is it is not clear. But I know for a fact that, for example, a friend of mine uh, flew back to Holland today, and uh, you know, again, this is this is a complete. My, my personal view is that. if if people jump on a plane and go back to be with their loved ones, they're actually potentially bringing a risk with them to their loved ones. Mm. Secondly, well, without testing, we have no way of knowing. And secondly, you're going to sit in a tube, an airplane and breathe the same air as some 300, 400 other people. You have no clue of where they've been. uh, If they have even had a bath this week, but (laughs) they also could be carrying the coronavirus. And speaking as the seasoned international traveler that Tim is, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I
0: said, speaking as the seasoned international traveler that Tim is, um I hadn't really wondered about people having baths on airplanes anyway, go ahead
1: well i am trying to be a little bit you know humorous about it all. but I mean you know obviously if you do not know who you're sitting next to right and in my opinion I'm, I'm not a you know a, a clinical specialist, but I would imagine if you're breathing air from the same air conditioning system as four hundred other people there's a good chance you're going to pick up something from those other people. And uh...
0: Well, since I wanted this conversation to cover all these little things that are not really covered in the mainstream media, I actually, I don't think that's a problem because the way this virus works, it has to adhere to little droplets that you sneeze or cough out. It mm-hmm. can't, it can't survive in naked midair very long because it will desiccate it'll dry out and then the UV will get it. And so you really don't have virus floating through the cabin air conditioning systems of airplanes. The problem is the person you're sitting next to or the person behind you or in front of you that coughs or sneezes and spreads droplets in the cabin for, you know, let's say 10 feet.
1: That's, that's the danger. Just to interrupt slightly, I don't know when the last time you went on a a plane was, but it's quite a regular thing to see the air conditioning um, system just before or after takeoff with sort of like a a dry ice sort of gray smoke coming out of it. Right. It's actually a smoke. It's, It's actually water vapor. Yeah, exactly. So in my opinion, there is a lot of water vapor going on in an aircraft, especially with the change of altitude and the change of oxygen and so on as well. So I think there are little droplets there. Um, again, I'm not a specialist on water vapor, but as you know, we've done quite a lot of research about different states of water. Yeah. Um, I, would, I personally believe the most responsible thing for me to do is to stay right where I am. And because, you know, let's, let's, put, it, let's put it on the table. If I go back to my kids in Turkey now, then I, I have a very strong chance of bringing a risk to them. So that's crazy.
0: Well, without testing, yes.
1: Yeah, if I go to my mother and she's 76, I think that's crazy. I'll bring a risk to her. So I really think the best thing to do is just to be here and to ride it out, to remain positive, to remain very calm, which I do. I have zero fear about this, actually. I do not fear it at all. I've been in Italy for six weeks. I'm not dead. (laughs) I did have a very slight cough. A very slight cold about five weeks ago, but that was just a normal sneezing, sort of runny nose type cold, which I would have had normally. Another coronavirus. No, but, but seriously, if we did not know about the coronavirus, let's face it, how many times would we have like a runny nose cold? I mean, we all would think nothing of it. Yeah. Well, the problem
0: is who we interact with who is above a certain age and whose immune systems are compromised. And I have a feeling that this virus really is almost targeting elder parts of the population, which gets into something we're going to talk about with Robert in a couple hours. Because if this is, as a number of experts, including a very interesting individual named uh, Dr. Francis Boyle, are saying that this was a weaponized uh, virus which got out of that lab in Wuhan, then it's been tailored to have certain particular properties and one of those seems to be it attacks the elder populations.
1: Well, that, that's very interesting. I, I mean, I've, I've been in contact with one of my clients in northeastern China and I've actually posted a little notes.
0: Oh, that's right. You and Kintia post. did a yacht project with that group. What's going on with them? What are they reporting?
1: Well, I, I do not want to mention any name of course, of course, the company or the individual, just because I don't think it's fair. But I mean, again, I don't think there's much point me either, you know, word for word reading what's on the radios the pictures. I think if, if the listeners would like to to read, then they can go to the fast link to Timothy's section, and there's a, there's a note which just gives a sort of you know first hand account of. Uh, one of my clients who lives in Northeast China, and uh, you know, the bottom line is, do take this very seriously. Do not laugh it off. I mean, I, I'm I'm literally here in in Fort Lauderdale, and obviously the spring spring break is is going on, and despite even sort of the law in Miami and uh, Fort Lauderdale, you know, being changed or, or rapidly being updated to prevent gatherings of more than 250 people. Uh, I had a copy sent through to me earlier today. Uh, I walked along the beach today and there were, there were literally, you know, hundreds or maybe, you know, around five, six o'clock in the afternoon, maybe, maybe still a thousand people on the beach. The bars were full, the music was pumping, people were hugging, kissing, they were partying, they were having a lot of fun, they were drinking.
0: Mm.
1: You know, there's no absolutely zero quarantine or zero proportions going on. And even outside now, I can hear, you know, hotels around where I am and people having pool parties, which is great fun. I'd love to be in a pool party right now, but (laughs) the point is, it's not really a smart thing to do. No, it's not. Well, it's not
0: just for those kids. You know, let's say they go home. They have grandparents.
1: Um, That's a problem right there. Well, it worries me that these guys are apparently affiliated with education. And yet they're what? starting like tomorrow.
0: Oh, I thought you were talking about a bunch of kids on spring break. Yeah, I am. But they're, they're, they're in education, aren't they? I mean, they're, they well, are... <laughs> I wouldn't think they students should. are good. You know, do us a favor, okay? I, I found your text from your friend in northeast China. Why don't you read his email? Because I think it's very illustrative of a perspective from China, a totally different society than ours. Of what they're doing to prevent catastrophe.
1: Okay. Well, this is from a lady. It's it's not not a man for start. Okay. Um, I was literally asking. You know, I have been in contact for the last few weeks. Obviously, just just curious because I wanted to know that they're okay. And, and and secondly, I was you know just curious as well because we don't always see. Uh, in terms of news, what the Chinese see, and they don't always see what we see either. So we've been exchanging sort of uh, views. But um, she says, Dear Tim, it's good to hear you, uh, hear from you. Actually, it was a panic for us. I think it depends very much on how the government controls the situation. I think we should talk about that later in the evening. We were told by TV, radio, SMS, WeChat, uh, and from our company, etc by all possible channels to stay at home the day after Chinese New Year, to wash hands, wear masks, don't go to visit friends or family and relatives, to say Happy New Year greetings. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm really carving that out, I'm sorry. Uh, you know Chinese New Year is a big thing for Chinese. This is the only period that most Chinese take holidays and visit family, relatives, and friends. But due to this virus, all of these gatherings and visits are canceled and we use e-greetings to communicate. All local neighborhoods set up uh, checkpoints to check residents' body temperature. If you do not live in this neighborhood, you are not welcome. You are not allowed to come in. All local uh, small shops were closed. The open market was closed. Uh, We go to the supermarket to buy food. Of course, there is strict temperature checking. We were scared, but there is no better solution than to wait and see how the situation goes. The good thing is that the government has strict control to punish food price rising, uh, so increases in food prices. So we were having a relatively stable food price and sufficient, and sufficient supply. Uh, another very important thing is that the government were sharing all of the updated information two times a day so you can see the figure goes up and where the new infections are uh, found. There is huge mobilization of Chinese population during the holiday. So we were expecting the ups and downs of the figures. All people coming back from outside the city should stay at home for observation for 14 days. And every day, all employees should report the temperature, their temperature. I was among the first round of people to come back to work as I did not go anywhere during the holiday. Uh, As our company is is very big, believe me, it's huge, uh, which can supply all necessary protection, gear, and equipment to employees. We bring our own food instead of going to the canteen, even though the canteen already supplied box food or separate seating areas for everyone. Drive our own cars instead of taking public transportation. To wear masks at offices. Wash hands regularly. I think the most important thing for everyone is to realize how bad it was we have some local cases where somebody do not wear, do, do not wear masks of so some infected person hmm. going around by bus or by train, then the government said not wearing masks is a hazard to public health, and the infected person going around is also a hazard to public health. We should all be self conscious and not bring trouble to others and hmm. society.
0: Ta, let me stop you there because we 're at the bottom of the hour. My guest this morning, my first guest is Tim Saunders. We're talking about coronavirus and the situations on the road. We're going to have reports from people in interesting international situations. Um, Andrew Curry's joining us next. He just brought his family to Phoenix for a baseball game that was canceled, and he'll tell us the background of that. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return.
2: To episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 cents a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com.
0: Welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night, March fifteenth, twenty twenty. I want to bring on Andrew Curry next because Andrew just came back from Phoenix with his um, uh, family, some of his family. I guess you left uh, the eldest home. Who's what? Seventeen, Andrew, Mister Curry. Oh, there oh, we are. That- Sorry, wrong pot, wrong pot. Anyway, you you just came back from a brief visit to an alien planet called Phoenix. (laughs) We're going to come back to Tim in a moment, but Andrew's experience was so typical of a lot of things that are going around now in terms of closing social contacting um, activities down. Just start from the beginning and tell us what you wanted to do and then what happened.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Richard. And I'm glad I could make it because I know our prime minister and uh, president Donald Trump are talking about possibly shutting down the border between our countries. At least it's on the table and it's starting to really, uh, you know, get the, the fear going higher in in folks down there. Well, we'll get to that. So I, I, we went down uh, to Phoenix, Arizona during the spring um, major league baseball MLB spring training uh, season and my middle son he plays on a what's called a travel baseball team so it's sort of like a specialized group of kids who who play a lot of baseball sort of during the winter season and then they go down uh, at various age levels so there's so he, he's in what's called the 12 and under category and so we did this last year and it was fabulous we just had a great time down in Phoenix so we ex- sort of expected the same thing we all kind of as parents looked at the at the weather and went, are you kidding me? It's like pouring rain when we're going to be down there for this tournament. So we get down there. Well, we start, well, here's the thing, Richard, we take off on Tuesday and right away there's turbulence on the plane. I mean, it was rocking. And especially when we got close to Phoenix, the weather was just like, it was overcast and they couldn't find good air. And the, uh, you know, the, the flight attendants were like dancing down the aisle and bumping into everybody. And it's hmm. like, Oh, what's going on? Talk about and omens. Anyways, <laughs> huh. Even before we left, my older son was like, I don't want you guys to go. And it's like, well, we're already set. It's already in motion. We were already getting emails from the tournament organizers, which is called um, S A, That's the sort of governing body. Basically starting to say, we, we-, we know there's some anxiety about the um, COVID-19 virus, but... Instead of handshaking, we're going to have the kids just tip their hats. This is what we did last week in another tournament. Because there's a whole series of tournaments that go on during the spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, so we already, it's a little bit touch and go. So, so we take off, we get down there, we get to the hotel, and it's raining. I mean, it is pouring rain. It is like just coming down cats and dogs. So in we,
0: Phoenix, Arizona. Okay.
2: It, it is just—it's coming off the Pacific. It is just, just raining, raining, raining. I—I'm I'm from Vancouver, which is just above Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. We live on the edge of a rainforest, <laughs> and we had one heck of a rainy winter, Richard. And we had a two-day period recently where we had more rain in our city than some parts of Canada get in a year. Wow! It's been. It's been ridiculous. So we get down to Phoenix. We're expecting some sun because it's a it's a nice time of the year because you get that those beautiful warm hot days, but not too hot. And the nights are like you can sit by the pool. Kids are playing in the you know in the pool, and you can sit down and have a drink or a cup of coffee or whatever it is that turns you on. And no, it's it's raining. So we get to our first practice. It's raining. We get to the second day. <clears throat> it's raining. Then we have this um. Uh, session where where the kids all get together and we take the kids to one of the spring training games. So we went to uh, the Dodgers, the Los Angeles Dodgers spring training game against the Brewers, and it's raining. It, it wasn't so I mean, we're used to it because we're from here, but it starts to rain. Then I'm I'm sitting beside some of the parents and the news comes down that Tom Hanks and his wife Rita Wilson have have tested positive for the for the virus, and we're sort of looking at each other going. Okay, things are changing, and then it comes in that the I believe it was the Center for Utah Jazz in the in the National Basketball Association, a fellow named Rudy Gobert, right, had test tested positive, and now the NBA basically suspends their season. And I'm telling you, Richard, it was then it started to pour rain and I could see the umpires looking at each other on the field. You know, it was a pretty good game, actually. Um, the L.A. Dodgers were were starting most of their stars. I actually have a picture of it. Um, well, it's not a great shot, but if people want to go look, there's no need to go there, Richard. But it's under my items <laughs> in radio with pictures.
1: OK, if people
2: want to, we, we, you know, we can go have a pick, quick pick. Um, uh a little later when when we when we I go through one poster that I want to point out but it's um just to show everybody that I was there and it ended up being the last spring training game uh at all like between Florida it's funny that Tim is in Florida because that's the other area that the major league baseball has their spring training so they have spring training in Florida and, and 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 that night we're all like okay this is you know starting to get serious we're starting to feel a little nervous then the MLB the major league baseball league Shuts their season down. They just like, or at least postpone it. Then the emails come in because every day the parents get emails from the um governing body of the tournament organizers for our Children's League. And the next thing you know, we get these emails saying, Look, you guys got to stop threatening legal action against us. We don't, we can't cancel this tournament. We, you know, and it was just like, it was getting ridiculous. I mean, everybody's starting to get upset. Teams are starting to drop out. Finally, in the end, we come to. I think it was Friday. We've, we've, or yeah, they canceled the games on Friday because we were now experiencing thunder and lightning storms and flash floods. Richard, we're, my my wife and I are sitting on, in, in the in the hotel room. I actually have another link uh, or another image for that. I just thought it was a kind of a funny moment because of the level of anxiety. We're sitting on the bed and both our phones go beep, and we're like, <laughs> oh no, what's going on now? You know. And we look at our phones, and it says, you know, be careful of flash floods, which, you know, that happens in Phoenix, but Mm. it was just – it kept happening. And because the anxiety is already building, you're just like, what's next? What's next? On top of this, the power in in our hotel goes out, and we're on reserve power. A day later, the power goes out again because our transformer in the hotel is on fire. Uh So they – oh, So they turn off the power for three hours. We're we're negotiating our way up. The dark stairways by candlelight. And, I mean, it was just, Richard, it was one thing after another. And then finally, uh, basically, the tournament was canceled. Uh, We got to Friday where Donald Trump was essentially saying, okay, um, he's going to start banning flights from Italy. And I think it was basically from Europe. And I think at that point, the U.K. was still open. Mm -hmm. And then I – then we realized, like the head coach of our whole program said, you know, under these circumstances, I think we need to just like point our noses home, and that's when we started to realize, okay, things are really getting, you know, we we, we can't be stuck out here. We have to kind of get home, and we I was well, we were supposed to be there till Thursday. We were supposed to um, right now be, you know, hopefully toasting a great win by our our boys and their mm. baseball and, and their baseball. Game. And then we we're gonna head down to Flagstaff and go see the Grand Canyon and then hang out in Sedona. I was actually gonna go and, and book a day or book a night in that lodge. Richard, what was the name of the lodge you
0: told me about that you and Oh the one on the rim of the Grand Canyon? Yeah. El Tovar. Goes back yeah, to yeah. the nineteen thirties. It was I think it still is the largest wooden structure in the national park system. It's a beautiful old hotel. They have wonderful food. As I said, uh when when we got some interesting images from Mars, I said to Robin, We're gonna to go to the Grand Canyon, I'm gonna show you what real mesas look like. They don't look like the stuff at Sidonia before sunrise, photographed in two thousand three by the Mars Odyssey spacecraft. So I took her over to the Grand Canyon, we got there before dawn, I let her watch the spectacle of sunrise oh my. in the Grand Canyon and you know, Robin was very hard to impress. That impressed her. You know, that was yeah. that was a memorable moment. And uh, then we had a wonderful breakfast, or you know, I guess it was breakfast at El Tavar. So, so did you guys get to the Grand Canyon? We
2: we did. And this is where I do want to take your listeners to my to items. It's, it's a really weird moment. I mean, everybody was wearing gloves at this point. Like all the the attendants serv, like serv, everywhere. I mean the people collecting tickets were wearing gloves, um, people at the gas stations. I mean it was just you know anybody taking tickets. So we, we started – we went, okay, tournament's over. We're, we got to leave. We booked our tickets for Sunday, which was today, and we thought, okay, we have Saturday. Let's go. And so we took off and had this wonderful – I enjoyed the ride. It took quite a while to get from Phoenix – up to Flagstaff and then up to the Grand Canyon, but Richard, I mean, the there was these there was this beautiful ponderosa pine
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: forest. I mean, I thought I thought you know Clint Easton was going to come galloping out of the,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: along the tundra there. I mean, it was beautiful. It was, I, oh, it was so lovely. You guys, you men and women have the American people have such a beautiful country. My God, I it's it's such a. Oh, I mean, I know this. That's that's for another show, but it it truly is a magic, majestic and magical country you have. I mean, I know every country has something beautiful to offer, but man, Richard, I mean, we've had some off off you know like you know email exchanges about you know the, our ancient history on this planet, and I know this show is not about that, and I'm not going to go there, but it, it it you have to wonder who has been given. Oh, the hand me down of if if we truly are a really ancient you know people you know mm-hmm. and just just your reference to to Mars anyway
0: so we, so we're driving and I, so I would like to go to
2: my items so Richard can you explain how to get there
0: please yeah it's really simple you go to the other side of midnight dot com that's our homepage the other side of that will take you to the homepage At the very top you'll see a banner for tonight Sunday March fifteenth which basically says we're going to have a coronavirus conversation from the road, showing two lonely bikers on Route 66, not far from Flagstaff, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, Andrew. And um, you then click on that banner. That takes you to tonight's guest page. Under the banner at the top of the guest page, you'll see Tim's items. Click on that. That will take you down to his section of Radio With Pictures. And I guess you want us to focus on item number one.
2: Yeah, a- Andrew's
0: items. You said Tim, but that's oh, like did Andrew. I say Tim? I meant Andrew. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Item number one. So I call it a spiral viral. So we're on the road. We're, we're, <laughs> we're trudging along. We decide to take a you know a little pit stop at a gas station. And is this on the way on. to
0: the canyon? Yeah,
2: on the way to the canyon, just a, a nondescript gas station off the side of the road. So there's the you the and your
0: wife and two of your boys, right? Two of my boys. Yeah.
2: And so <laughs> we get there, we walk up to the door. We didn't notice it, notice this at first, but we get into, you know, can we use the washroom? And she hands us again, wearing the gloves, she hands us a little bit of toilet paper hmm. and and a couple of, a couple of paper towels. And then she, and we're like, we go, you're, you're rationing. She goes, yeah. And then, so we walk to the door, we look at the door and actually when we came back out, this is what we saw. This was on the bathroom door as well. So if you enlarge on it, it says, we are rationing toilet paper and paper towels. Why? Because it is being stolen. Please see cashier. Sorry. <laughs> this is what we saw. And it was it's just one of those surreal moments, right? Like, you know, we're like, okay, this is what, what happens. And anyways, we went out, we, we finished that, went on our way, and we got to the Grand Canyon. And it's funny, lucky enough, because of, I guess, of all this anxiety that's going on, you know, it was not as crowded. And Richard, what an experience. I mean, we drove in a, in a, you know, almost a straight line, um, right up to the grand Canyon. And then you're at the edge of the abyss and Mm. and all, and Richard, it, it was pretty depressing having the kids turn, you know, we, the kids spent so many months training. We get, we spend all this money, time, we take the time off of work and and these poor kids, they don't get a chance to play and everybody's upset And then you see this majesty at the Grand Canyon, and I was—I know now where Chesley Bonstell
0: (laughs) –
2: I know what he was looking at when he was doing mesas, man. And I'm telling you, Richard, some of those mesas are
0: pretty interesting looking. Aren't they? Aren't they? Oh
2: my gosh! And it it was—it was—it was a reverent moment. It was. Oh it was it was I asked everybody later I said how did you all feel my family and they said it just felt really good to be there oh, and it really lifted our spirits Richard it was a really I it words just don't match how beautiful it was and I didn't have time to put some pictures together but I mean you can google them everywhere but they it was I mean, there were rainbows down, you know, right beside the Colorado River. There were, there was, there was, you know, you could see the rain coming down and the rainbows and their their magical colors coming out. There were like weather patterns going on. The clouds were like, you know, up up high, and they were like making this dappling sun effect over the landscape, and it just looked like cut pieces of cloth that the oh sun was sort of shining around. It was so beautiful and it made everything just come back to a place of like we really truly live in a remarkable and beautiful world and we just like Tim like Tim said and like Conthea said like we all have said it's just, just calm down. It's still a beautiful world and we all have a place in it and we're gonna be just fine if we Oh, here's another thing. And i I'm I'm sorry if I'm talking just off my mouth. No no, it's fine, it's I, fine. I have never seen so many men in so many different bathrooms washing their hands huh. really early. I'm telling you Richard.
0: Well, that's, that's good awful. news.
2: You know, I've been a really fastidious person all my life and I've taught my children to be the same way I hope they are, but when you know, I think I've held my preschool teach them lessons really well, but I have never seen so many men get to the sink and wash their hands really well so that that's if if we do any behavioral modification we're doing it well now and we should keep it up no matter what happens going forward but you know one of the things that happened when we sort of came back today was you know there was a, a heightened anxiousness i mean even at the airport it's all the canadians right like pouring out and even the americans i mean there was people heading off to chicago and 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 uh, my friend Laura London in an email exchange said there's been a, you know a lot of anxiety at the uh, airports there and oh they
0: had a huge mass last night they had three hour waits of people packed in like cattle because last night at midnight was the cutoff for flights returning from Europe and Americans wanted to come back and rejoin their families and that kind of thing and so it was pandemonium at several major airports around the United States particularly uh, O'Hare. Yeah, and that's what she said. And even here in, in Phoenix's,
2: you know, you know, modest airport, you could just feel the it was palpable. I mean, there was one lady; she was from Montreal, and she sort of stumbled up to me, and you know, she was asking me for advice. And and you know, she's she, she's of Caribbean descent, so she had like this blend between a French accent because she was headed back to Montreal, Quebec, and um, you know, she's obviously Canadian and her her accent and i and i sort of said you know i listened to her really politely and i said well you probably want to talk to the to the to the ticket lady here and who she, the staff there were unbelievable like they were so calm and and fabulous but you could feel it richard there's just this heightened anxiety about getting out before things start to get you know whatever and again it's it's like we were talking about this is this is a real thing it's it's a real thing but if we take care and just do the right things, we should be okay. And I and I think that's the. I I don't know if we're going to heed that, but it it it's something that. Oh, how do I how do I phrase it, Richard? I'm running out of words here. It's it's a. Uh, I mean, it doesn't help when everybody's wearing a mask. You know, the bottom of my poster, I, I I took a few shots of some of the people in in the Vancouver airport, and you know, and there's you know workers and. And you know, there it's it's a real thing. I mean, we're in an uncharted uncharted territory and we're in a place that we've talked about a few weeks in a row now, how just like those our phones going off simultaneously in that hotel room to signal a flash flood, hmm. that alarm when it went off, it's like whoa, it was like being eight years old again and having the emergency broadcasting system being tested on TV. And this is what's happening is that worldwide and all around the world, we're so connected, so interconnected and so metaconnected that we are all being you know we're all coming to alert from those devices and those computers and the T V screens. And Richard, as you've said so often before, what is it that Gene Roddenberry
0: said about TV? <laughs> if it's real, that's where you'll see it on television.
2: And that's what we're getting. This is what's being, you know, fleshed out right in front of us. And the media is eating it up and spitting it back out our way and and it's amazing so yeah that's that's kind of what's been happening and uh you know it's it's been an unusual time um but i it's a blessing to go to your country i'm going to tell you that right now and i I've, i've met so many great people and that was another thing you know dealing with the people at the hotel they're under so much duress you know they said you know we're this. We rely. Our businesses in Phoenix rely on the spring, spring training mm-hmm. to bring in you know the, the 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 tournaments and 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 the fans and 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 the people that come in and you know they go and play golf and they they do all the tourism things and they're, and they're mostly American. It's it's mostly fans, right? And they really rely on this time of the year to fuel their economy, and they're really worried about it. You could feel it right at the ground level as, as you talk to all these gracious hard-working people and you know i thank you again to you know again you welcoming us from everywhere to come into your country and, and be be part of your fabric it's it's, it's a it's a blessing and it's, it's a wonderful experience and we've always had a great time so yeah and uh there you go <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i am so glad you got to the grand canyon because it is such a special place and i was so happy i was able to get robin over there because it's 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 almost unique in the world. It certainly is, uh, you know, there are a few places. There's a little strip of land in Hawaii that looks kind of like it. And there's obviously some features over in China. But the Grand Canyon is, you know, open to anybody who comes to the United States. And what what time of day did you stay till? Did you stay past sunset? Uh, no. Well,
2: it was – no, we couldn't because we had to kind of get back. And and But we were – well, what time did we get there? We got there about um, – close to one o'clock in the afternoon and it was it was mixed because there was some snow on the way through Flagstaff that was coming down and 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 there was just sort of mixed weather going up and it was it was cold you know it was that time of the year uh we were there for oh that's another thing Richard you know we were there for two hours I swear to you it felt like 40 minutes 45 minutes I mean it was it was so peaceful it was it was again very similar to what I felt in the Hoover Dam when I was there recently there's these you know, it was almost like looking down into like a thousand cathedrals, a thousand temples, just mm. like right out in front of you. And there's this beautiful plaque as you sort of come up to the south rim and in, in you know, out of the parking lots, and it's this round circle that says something like all the tribes of this area call this place home and there's these beautiful stars that go around this circle that names all the tribes mm. of the area. And there's a real I thought it was interesting at stars again. And I, Richard, I, there's so much to talk about that place, and I, I I can't explain to you. Well, you know, I mean, it it there, there was such a positive, beautiful, profound filling up. I felt so healthy there. Mm. I felt so good. I felt so full of, ankh. Not myself because I'm pretty calm, right? And I I orientate well, um, but. It, it it I just felt so much healthier and so much more at ease when I sort of moved away from there and and that resonance again, we use that word, but it's there, it resonated as we left, and everybody felt it and there yeah it's a it's a beautiful
0: place. I remember you were you told a story once about flying over the Grand canyon mm-hmm. many many years ago, I almost died. <laughs> I was doing a site survey for the National Space Society. We were thinking of doing a national Mars television show. Um, Hugh Downs had just taken over the presidency of the National Space Society, and I knew him, so I was going to be out west. And I said, I'll just, you know, check out the canyon to see if we can, um, you know, do some kind of interesting television. Obviously coming off the analog between the Grand Canyon on Earth and the Mars Grand Canyon called Valles right. Marineris, which is like a hundred times bigger. I mean, oh. the the the, the, oh. the Grand Canyon is, what, 20, 30, 50 miles long, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Valles Marineris is 3,000 miles long. It's the oh. width of the United States on Mars. And there are all kinds of disagreements as to how it's formed and all that. But I wanted to have a visual. So the best visual we have is the Grand Canyon. So... I went to Phoenix and I met with an old friend of mine, G. Harry Stein, who's no longer with us. He was a friend of Robert Heinlein's and he wrote science fiction under a pseudonym Lee Corey. He did a lot of um, uh, fact articles for Analog Magazine. So, uh, and we were friends for many, many years. He actually created the American Rocket Society, which was the model rocket group uh, that basically in the 50s and 60s. Pioneered the idea of getting rockets into the hands of lots of kids, so they could be familiar with space age oh. terms and all that. Anyway, so he had a Piper Cherokee parked at the Sunport at uh, there there in Phoenix. Right. So I arrived and I'm you know staying with him and I said um, Harry, I said how would you like to go and you know take us up because I had a friend of mine with me from Connecticut. I said, how would you like to take us up you know, and fly the Grand Canyon let me take a few shots so I can show some folks back in Washington what it might look like on television? So we did. Unfortunately, um, that was the day that I think I had 16 takeoffs and landings. I think that was my record, um, not only in his airplane, but in commercial flights to get me back to the East Coast later that evening. Anyway, so we go to uh, you know, the, uh, the airport, you know, he checks out his plane, we take off, we fly up toward the Canyon. Um, we decided after the first run that we would land, uh, at the local airport there, cause there's a little airport just down the street from El Tavar. And then we would take, uh, transportation cause the hotel has a service between the airport and the hotel. And we would go and have lunch at El Tavar. Mm. So we did. And then we get back in the airplane, and then we're going to do some more late afternoon flying over the canyon so I get different lighting and all that. And we're doing all this merrily, and my friend Mary is sitting in the back, and she's having a wonderful time. And suddenly, it becomes very, very quiet. Oh, boy. And I looked over at Harry, and he looked at me, and I've never seen Harry Stein go absolutely dead white. He turned white. Because here we are below the, I guess, the South Rim and below the North Rim, because I wanted a close-up of some of these Mesas, which have very interesting Hindu and Egyptian names, which, of course, are not accidental. William Powell was a Mason, and, of course, the whole Grand Canyon is filled with Masonic lore. So, I'll tell you what, we're getting close to the top of the hour. Why don't I hold the end of the story <clears throat> <laughs> obviously you guys know that i survived uh, but why don't we hold the end of the story until we come back okay? okay we are on the other side of midnight my guest this morning so far tim saunders andrew curry with a cast of thousands waiting in the wings you're on the other side of midnight my name is richard c Hoagland. this is our coronavirus conversation for sunday night Over and out.